are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So this last week and a half, I was in um, a small country in southern Africa called Swaziland, where we as a church have been in partnership with that small country that is 120 miles long, 80 miles wide for about 10 years now. And uh, how many of you have been to Swaziland? Raise your hand really high and keep it up in the air so I can see. Wow, several of you have been to Swaziland. A lot of you have not. You can put your hands down. So let me just tell you, when you fly to Atlanta from here, usually is how we go. Um, Then when you get on the plane in Atlanta, usually at about 8 o'clock at night, uh, you have a 16-hour flight. You're in the air 16 hours to Johannesburg. That's a long time just to kind of try to sleep setting up or whatever you do. At about the 12-hour mark, it becomes an issue of just sheer endurance. You just, you just want to get there, you know. Um, but it's, it's a small price to pay for the experience that you gain. Um, Swaziland is a, is a group of people who are very respectful. Um, they speak quietly. You have to lean in to hear. Um, they are extremely kind um, and careful people. So they have interesting language, Saswati. Most of the young people love to speak English. The older people still love speaking Saswati. And so um, they have interesting names with clicks in the names. Like I remember the first time I was there, I asked this young man what his name was, and he said, my name is Mala kind of a in front of it, mala. I asked a lady uh, what her name was on this last trip, and she said, Mzele. And so they, there's all these kind of clicks and, and pops in their, in their language. Um, when, when you give them something, they would never reach out to receive it like this. They would always, two hands. And if you even ask for something like, could you pass me that fork? They will always, two hands, hand it to you. It would not be respectful to only you know, do one hand. When you shake hands with them, you always grab this hand, grab your wrist, and so you kind of shake with both hands. You would never just reach out like that. That would seem disrespectful, so you always... And then if you're talking to a woman and you shake her hand, she's going to let go of your hand immediately, but if you're talking to a man, he will hold your hand as long as you stand there maybe and talk. So women do the same. They will hold each other's hands through the whole conversation maybe. And if you're talking to that man and you're holding hands like that uh, and you decide to walk away, you might just hold hands as you walk along together, which feels a little awkward when you're from the Western culture. And it's not uncommon to see two men walking down the street together, holding hands as they talk along. Just one of my favorite stories was Gerald Nance went to Swaziland the first time and he flew in later and he got to the airport and the guy that was going to pick him up uh, decides that... uh, He's going to carry one of Gerald's bags, and so Gerald's carrying the other, and uh, he reaches over and takes Gerald by the hand, and they're walking through the airport, just holding hands. And I said, Gerald, did you know this was like part of the culture? And he goes, no. And I said, why did you go along with it? He goes, because I'm 12,000 miles from my people, and this is the only person who can get me to my people, and I decided I just better go with it until I got to my people, you know. I got to tell you that today in Swaziland, the Church of the Nazarene is alive and well and growing. Doing very well. It's very healthy. There's 158 Nazarene churches in that little country on four districts. 
and the church is thriving. Part of it is because there is a, a task force there of people who live like this when it comes to people with AIDS and HIV. So while the world looks at people with HIV and AIDS and does this, not the Nazarenes in Swaziland. They live like this. And they find them. They seek them out. They go to their homes when they hear that they've been diagnosed with AIDS. And they pray with them. And they sing with them. And they hug them. And they hold their hands when they talk to them. And they give them food. And then as the person takes the antiretrovirals and begins to get a little better in a period of six months or so and is able to kind of get out and go again, guess where they go? To the church of the people who came and saw me and prayed with me and lived like this to me in the darkest moment of my life. And the church is growing. So I don't have words, okay, to, to, to make this what it needs to be. But I wish there was some way that you could grasp what the partnership that Bethany First Church of the Nazarene and other partners who have gotten involved in this thing, the difference it has made in the Nazarene church in that country. They are encouraged. They are on fire. They feel like they have help. They are energized. They are full of life and the Spirit. And they are moving in such an incredible way. And they would tell you it's because God sent some people from Oklahoma to Swaziland. I wish I had a way of just showing you what a difference this partnership has made in their lives. We had this group of students on the trip, which made the trip for me just an absolute blast. And I'm so impressed with these university students. I mean, I, I mean, th these, these, these guys and gals are incredible. And, uh, and I did devotions every morning with them, and I would take my little book, The Sons of Africa, the story of Harmon Smelzenbaugh, and every morning I would share devotions from that little book. And I reminded them that in 1910, it was a university student, Harmon Smelzenbaugh, at a school down in Texas, who believed that God called him when he read a book written by David Livingston. And he said, I felt in that moment that God was calling me to dark Africa. In fact, the, the burden became so heavy that I could neither eat or sleep. And finally, I told God that I would go to Africa at once and I would spend, listen to this, okay? And I would spend, are you listening to me? I would spend the rest of my life there. And he did. And his life ended just before he turned 40. Because he contracted malaria. And that's where he died. How, how is it that a college student becomes convinced in his mind that God, who created everything and is over all things, was tapping him on the shoulder saying, Harmon... I'm asking you to do something and I need an answer. And he says, God, I will go and I will spend my life. What is that dynamic? What is happening right there? How do you even explain that? And many of you would say, oh, I can help you with that, Pastor Rick. God, by the power of His Spirit, spoke to a young college student. And as a result, there are thousands of people in Swaziland who have heard the gospel and are part of the Church of the Nazarene, and that spread 
throughout the continent of Africa till now there are one half million Nazarenes on the continent of Africa. Because God gave us His Spirit. And the Spirit of God speaks to us. And the Spirit of God leads us. And the Spirit of God guides us. And the Spirit reminds us of all the things that Jesus told us. And the Spirit comforts us. God gave us His Holy Spirit. So you remember, Jesus says to the disciples, Okay, guys, here's the deal. I'm going to be going away, but it's okay because the Father is going to give you the Advocate. He is going to give you His Spirit. And the Spirit is going to teach you all things. He's going to guide you in all truth. He is going to remind you of everything that I've taught you. And remember, after Jesus was crucified on the cross and after He raised from the dead, before He ascended to be with the Father, He said, Now wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift the Father promised, the gift of the Spirit. And sure enough, in Acts chapter 2, it happens. They're all waiting together and praying for the gift that the Father promised. And the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit fills all of the believers. And as we read the New Testament, here's, here's the message. Now, whatever you do as followers of Jesus, live according to the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you. Let the Spirit lead you. Listen to the Spirit. Pay attention to the Spirit. God's Spirit is in you. God's Spirit is with you. God's Spirit is speaking to you. Whatever you do, live your life in accordance with the Spirit. See, I feel like I need a guide through life. I feel like I need a coach every day. And the Scripture says, Rick, you have a coach. You have a guide. It is the Spirit of the living God who is now in you. So live in accordance with the Spirit. What if you said to me, Rick, what if I don't know what I believe about the Spirit? Because that's the series we're in right now. We're talking about what we believe. And so let me give you a statement, okay? I'll put it on the screen and I want to read it to you. This is what we as Nazarenes believe about the Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The third person of the triune Godhead. I love this line. That He is ever present and efficiently active in and with the church of Christ. Convincing the world to sin. Regenerating those who repent and believe. Sanctifying believers. And guiding into all truth as it is in Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then put it back on the screen and let's read it again in our affirmation, okay, of this belief. In unison, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, that He is ever-present and efficiently active in and with the church of Christ, convincing the world of sin, regenerating those who repent and believe, sanctifying believers, and guiding into all truth as it is in Jesus. 
Now let me take you to the book of Romans chapter 8, okay? And I'm going to read to you several verses of Scripture. And I understand that as Paul writes, sometimes you have to kind of take some time reading through. And so you may feel like I'm not grasping every time on the first way through. But there is such richness here. And I I want you to do this for me. I want you to say, for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to give every bit of attention and concentration that I can give. I want to hear the Word of God today because God is about to speak. And I want to hear what God says this morning. So are you ready? Here we go. Chapter 8, verse 1, the book of Romans. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's really, really good news because to be condemned is a really, really bad thing. Why is there no condemnation? Because, and this word because appears about four times in these next few verses, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. What does that mean? And so, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. You understand that the law has been fulfilled in what Jesus did on the cross and in resurrection. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but we live according to the Spirit. Now this is going to make sense to you. Now those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. But here's really, really good news. But you, however, all right, you are not in the realm of the flesh. But you are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Another translation says debt, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We're winding down here. Listen closely. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. I'm no longer a slave. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received 
brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, let's talk about this for a little bit. And I read a lot of verses, and I can't do them all justice, but there's some great truths that I want to bring out, okay? So, let's let's begin here. I... Um, I got to be with some great people this past week, and one of the one of the guys I got to be with, his first name is Sipo, and honestly, I cannot pronounce his last name. I, I, it's just I, it's just very difficult. He's a district superintendent, and he called us about two years ago after I'd gotten home, and he said, "You know, um, God has given me a vision here in Swaziland on my district." And I've identified 17 villages, communities that need a church. And God has called me to put churches in all 17 of those areas. Now, you think about this. I mean, this is a vision. What if I stood up tomorrow and I said to you guys, Hey, listen, guys, God's spoken to me and God has called us here at Bethany First Church to plant 17 churches. I mean, what... What would you do with that? Would you say, I, Rick needs to rein it in a little bit. He said, you know what we really need? We need a tent. Could you help us with a tent? And some very generous people who go to this church helped Sipo buy a tent. And they would go into those communities and they would set up the tent and they would have a revival and they would invite people in the community to come. And the people who became Christian as a result of those revivals ended up becoming a core of people where they started a preaching point is what they called them. Three of those have been organized into churches. And besides the three that have become churches, in two years' time, there are 14 preaching points, which total 17. Is this amazing to you? What if we trusted God like that? I stood with Sipo the other day and he wept and he said to me, Pastor, my passion is so winning. Did you hear what he said? He said, I am passionate about helping people come to know Jesus. That's what he was saying. My passion is to help people come to know Jesus. Because deep in the heart of Sipo, he is convinced that there is something powerful that can happen in a person's life by the power of the Spirit. Now, now let's go back to Romans 8, okay? Here's what's going on. So, so Paul is continuing this discussion that we had in chapter 7 about the law. And what he is saying is that the law has intended to bring life. That was the intention of the law. But the law was incapable of doing that because of the corruptness of the flesh. And so what he does in this passage is describes very clearly the gospel, what Jesus coming, dying on the cross, and being resurrected has done. He is saying, by the Spirit, God did through Jesus what the law could not do on its own. 
And he gives all of that with this little word, because. Because the Spirit did what the law could not do. Because God himself came, sent his own Son into our world, condemned sin. Because you are now no longer of the flesh, but you are of the Spirit. The Spirit lives in you. You are no longer condemned. Now, if you believe sin is serious and you believe judgment is real, then that's really good news. This is what God has done for you through Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And now you live this new life in the Spirit. I'm not saying that the enemy won't ever tempt you again. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, sin received a death wound when Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead. And sin no longer has power over you or dominion over you. Now, let me talk about a second point with you, okay? And I want to share with you another story from Swaziland. Um, Two years ago, uh, I worshiped at a little church in a village called Soweto. And and here's what happened. This, This elderly woman had some men in the village help her construct out of some wood and some tin and honestly some old rags, a little, a little bitty, a little bitty just kind of shack. It wasn't very long. It might have been maybe from, from here to that speaker right there and maybe about that big of a square. And she started teaching mostly children and it began to grow. And then a pastor whose name is Tondo came and he built a, a building. And, and let me show you a picture of the building that Tondo built, okay? It's that building right there. And, and the Sunday that I was there, um, I sat inside, but there was as many people outside looking through those windows that you see there and on the other side of the building and through the door as there was people in the building. And they said, we need a building. And sitting beside me was a guy named Dave Roberts who pastors the Church of the Nazarene in Montrose, California. And he went back home and he prayed and he said, I believe God wants me to plant, help them rather build a church. And let me show you the building. Look at the inside of it. You know that building in Swaziland will seat about 500 people? Man, I just think it's, I just think it's overwhelming. And if you ask me, what is the dynamic? What is happening there? I would say to you that Dave Roberts is seeking in every way that he knows how to live by the Spirit. And let the Spirit lead him and let the Spirit guide him. And Dave came and called me and says, Hey, Rick, I've been praying. We've been praying here in Montrose. And we believe that God wants us to help them build a church. Now, according to Paul, there's two ways to live life in this passage. You can live according to the Spirit or you can live according to the flesh. When he says Spirit, he's talking about the very Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Let the Spirit of God guide you. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live your life in accordance to the Spirit. When he talks about flesh, for Paul, like other Jews, he did not see the flesh as being something that was corrupt um, or, or, or the human body being evil in itself. He's referring to that which is in rebellion against God. 
It's when we take our bodies and we use them in a way and live in such a way that it is contrary to what God calls us to or teaches us. That's what he would call the flesh. And, and you can live according to the flesh or, or you can live according to the Spirit. Now, anybody in the room know anything about debt? Okay, I think I've got a few people who are with me at this point. He says, you're in debt. In this translation, he says, you have an obligation. Now listen closely, okay? But it is not to the flesh, because the flesh has done you no favors. The flesh has deceived you. The flesh has lied to you. The flesh has lowered you. The flesh has brought great pain into your life when you have followed the desires of the flesh. You have a great debt. You have a great obligation, but it's not to the flesh because the flesh has never advanced your life at all. But your obligation is to the Spirit. And here's what He calls you to do. Live your life according to the Spirit, letting the Spirit lead you and guide you. But He's also saying that you also have a responsibility to say no to what your bodies tell you sometimes that it wants. There are times in our lives when our bodies are saying, this is what I want. And Paul is saying that you have an obligation to say to your body, that's not good. And you don't get that. Because it's not going to give you the best possible future. In fact, it's going to give you a very, very bad future. And this does not please God. And so we're not going down that road. You have an obligation to live your life in accordance to the Spirit, but you also have an obligation to say no to your bodies. Sometimes when your body says, this is what I want, you just simply say no. And in verse 13, here's what he says. If we live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So I'm going to talk to you very frankly for a minute, okay? Just from my own heart here for a minute. So... So for the last 10, 11 days, I've been, I've been out of the country, and uh, to be honest with you, this uh, device that I carry in my pocket has been of almost no use to me. I, I could have gotten online at times, and a few times I did, but it was work to do so, and I just didn't fool with it, and I didn't worry about email while I was gone, and I didn't watch any television the whole time I was gone. Let me tell you what I did. I got up every morning and I sat with the most awesome group of university students I've hung around a long time, and we opened God's Word together. And it was awesome. And every evening before we turned in, I sat down with that same group of university students and the other adults that were with us, and we studied God's Word again. And during the day, we went and we served people. And we put our arms around people who have AIDS. And we gave of our resources. And we shared the gospel a few times. And we retreated to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God. 
Does this sound familiar to you? I'm talking about practices again. And man, while I wanted to see Annette so bad I couldn't stand it, and while I was tired of just eating red dirt every day of my life because it's just dusty, and while I was hungry for American food, the way back home was a little bit bitter. Because I didn't want to lose that closeness with the Spirit that I had been living in all those days. Are, are you hearing me? Rick, I, I know that I'm supposed to live in step with the Spirit, but sometimes that's hard. The flesh is just screaming at me. I think we learned something about a year ago that as we engage in certain practices, what happens? God begins to transform us and He changes us. And through that spiritual training, we find ourselves back in step with the Spirit. Let me tell you another story, but it's not about Swaziland. It's about a nation called Israel. In the Old Testament, you find them in slavery in Egypt, and God sets them free, and they're in the wilderness, but they're on their way somewhere. Do you remember where they're on their way to? The promised land, right? It's interesting to me that on the way to the promised land, they have days where the flesh starts talking. I am hungry. <laughs> Did God just bring us out in the desert so we could starve to death? And the flesh is just screaming and they're beginning to say, maybe we should just turn around and go back to Egypt. Maybe we should just go back to being slaves again. But then where's the presence of God? Because the presence of God was leading them and guiding them. Do you remember what that looked like? Uh, here, here's the story. It was, it was at nighttime. It was this pillar of fire. And as the pillar of fire moved, they moved. And in the daytime, it was a cloud. And as the cloud moved, they moved. And Paul writes years later, but I hear the echoes of that Old Testament story as he talks to Christians who were not being led by a pillar of fire or a cloud, but by the very presence of God's Holy Spirit leading them, guiding them. Leading you, guiding you, leading me, guiding me. And sometimes the flesh starts to scream out. I'm hungry for some of that. I mean, you see the picture, don't you? And Paul says, if you live according to the Spirit, there is no way that you can please God. No way. Keep in step with the Spirit. If you live according to the flesh, there is no way you can please God.
I, I guess I ought to wrap it up here. Um, I, I went and I spent a day with about 40 pastors from the Central District, and my friend Larry Morris and I, who is from Houston, Texas, we, uh, we just kind of talked throughout the day and interacted with those pastors. And at the end of the day, we always want to give them some kind of a, a small gift. And so Ron Willard, who he and Sarah have been serving there two years representing our church, he put together this beautiful gift. He had a man to make bowls, beautiful wooden bowls. I wish I had one to show you. And then he just laid a towel over the bowl. And he, and he had one for every pastor, but the first person he gave it to was the district superintendent. His name is Musa Kanini. Man, I love this guy. And Musa walks up, and Ron says, I have a gift for you, Musa, and I have one for every pastor. And as Ron holds out the gift, he received the gift only like a Swati would do. He would never, Swazi would do, he would never reach for one hand. He held out two hands very humbly. And Ron placed the bowl in Musa's hand. And Ron reminded Musa that this represents Jesus who said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. You know? I, I watched Musa stand there, and tears filled his eyes, and they began to roll down his face and just drop off of his cheeks. And it was, it was to me like Musa was accepting the calling to be a servant all over again, fresh and new. I mean, I, I cried like a little baby. It was a very thin place. And, and on the airplane on the way home, I thought, oh, wait a minute. That's what Jesus said would happen. He said, the Spirit, the Spirit will be with you. He will be in you. The Spirit will guide you. The Spirit will teach you. Guess what else He said the Spirit is going to do? The Spirit is going to remind you everything that I taught you. And what a powerful reminder that day is the Holy Spirit came into that moment and reminded us all that to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, is to take a bowl and a towel and to be a servant. And Paul says, the Spirit is with you. The Spirit is talking. The Spirit is leading. The Spirit is guiding. The Spirit is your coach. Live your life according to the Spirit. Pay attention, the Spirit's speaking. The Spirit's with you every day. Listen to the Spirit. In Galatians, he talks about you just keep in step with the Spirit. Don't get out of step with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is with you. So we get to celebrate the presence of God's Spirit this morning. And there are many of you who are going to serve us this morning. Would you, would you stand at this time, all of you? And those of you who are going to serve, would you come and prepare to do that now? We practice open communion. You don't have to be a member of our church to, to celebrate the presence of Jesus. If, if you are sincere and you're seeking Jesus, you are free to join us this morning. And when the tray comes by, would you just take the two cups, they're stacked together, and in the bottom cup is the bread, and in the top cup is the 
is the juice. And would you just take the bread and put it into one hand, and you can just restock the cups if that's easier. But then would you hold it in your hand until everybody in the room has been served? And when everybody in the room has been served, then we will all eat and we will drink together. Now, now I want you to celebrate with me right here, okay? I mean, this is a celebration of the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So let's worship Him as we celebrate. So when Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, 
This is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it. And he took the cup and he said, This is my blood of the new covenant. Drink it, all of you. Be thankful. We come together this morning as this big family. And, and honestly, I'm overwhelmed at the size of crowds we're having in July. Um, we may have different styles of worship. Some may be really young, some may be really old. We try hard to kind of meet in the middle. But, but I don't know a more beautiful picture than the church of Jesus Christ coming together like this and celebrating his presence together. So, Lord, thank you. Father, for the, by the power of your spirit accomplishing through Jesus what the law could not accomplish. We are no longer condemned. We are saved. Let us live according to the Spirit and put to death the misdeeds of the body, the flesh. And I pray this in Jesus' name. from here being led by the Spirit and be free in all that you do. God bless you. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.